Hey, what's going on, No Bad Dog Army? This podcast is uh, one of the better podcasts I think I've done in a while. I get really excited when I get a dog owner that really starts to click things. And, and I think like the best part of me comes out when I see some sort of a challenge to make things make sense. A lot of people or most of my clients, you know, they, they get it. And, and this is one of those podcasts where I'm, I, th- these people are struggling really heavily. It's a wonderful podcast. Um, we got some new merch dropping soon. Really excited about, we got some, we got a bunch of cool stuff. So click in the description below is gonna be all my courses, all my merch. Uh, you guys want to get some no bad dog stuff. Uh, the new coffee is released. It's a good uh, present uh, before Christmas and after Christmas. Um, and of course some of that, uh, some of we did a no bad dog blend and some of that, uh, some of the proceeds go to uh, a, a dog organization across the country. So all that stuff's below. Uh, and remember, listen to the end because I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions and we'll see you at the end. Bye. The reactivity has been happening since. What, what's the dog's name? Moki. Moki. Okay. Moki. That's easier. Okay. Moki. So the reactivity with Moki's been happening since he was uh, about a year old. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right now, you guys. Ha- when the dog does become reactive or has stranger danger issues. You guys have a halty that you're trying to change directions with him with, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, you've used three different trainers. And uh, have you had any progress with the trainers as far as working on the reactivity part of what you like, we you know what you're really focusing on? I mean, have you guys seen anything? The last, the last trainer. I mean, it's it. it I, there seemed to be at times some, um, you know, like I said, glimmer of hope. Like it, but it's it's like a, it, it kind of seemed to be like a distance thing. Mm-hmm. Also, the one thing I know for sure about him, it's like he's more reactive if somebody's walking away than coming towards. Mm-hmm. Like that. That's the most when it's like it's, it's like if somebody's going away, I I'm thinking that he's thinking that he's chasing them away. That's, I don't know. So, um, but I mean, like we did some loose leash with her, and uh, like I said, it, it it seemed like it was getting you know it was not better, but he you know it, it just it, it just we, we could never get them closer. Then, like, what do you think? Yeah, like one time, her and I were sitting on on our lower deck, and Tisa brought him over pretty close, and I had treats, and I was treating him, and then he did what she called um, a muzzle punch, or, you know. Well, what happened was he called him. I called him. And he ran over and muzzle punched her. Okay. Twice. With the muzzle? And then I got him off. Okay. Was a, was there a muzzle on or no? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I don't I, I don't take him anywhere without the muzzle. Okay. Um, just simply because uh, you know I'm, I'm, you know like I said he's never he's never bitten anybody. I have to say one time he got out. This is a couple of years ago because there was a crew working on uh, on the street and he broke through the fence and 
literally all he did was bark at them and follow them and bark and bark. He never, never went at them. Mm -hmm. Finally, I got him inside, you know, and that was, yeah. I mean, I almost like, almost like think, think at some, if I was a little bit better along at training, maybe I could have, you know, instead of like getting freaked out and getting him inside, if I just been a little bit calmer about getting him under control it might have helped, yeah. you know? Yep. Um, so, but I mean, it's like I said, it's like, I mean, and, and he had opportunity, believe me, to bite. Okay. One of the, you know, he had that opportunity and he didn't take it, you know? Oh. So, you know, that's why I think, I think if we just get somebody that can, you know, break through this barrier, I think he's going to be, I, I don't want him to be friends with people. I just want him to be able to tolerate them. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And how what, how much medication is he on? Um, let me get the medicine. I'm sorry, I should have had that. No, it's. I don't need to know. I, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> is it like a daily pill? Yes. Yes. Okay. He's. Uh, what is it the flustertine? What's the pink ones? Okay. And uh, and then there's this there's this some some strong that we use, like she said, to take them to the vet. Yeah. Petra something. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's on. Daily, he's on two things, and then there's this extra one that if he needs to go to the vet. And when we had the other trainer, the last, the last trainer, trainer, I would, I would give him that stuff before. So it wasn't he was he he was I was drugging him with the last trainer. Okay. And the the drugs and the medication is has been advised so far from your vet or from your trainers? Well, the, well, the trainers suggested we talk to a behaviorist. And we already then, had talked to a behaviorist. We, that's how we got him on the medicine. Right. But one of the, I don't know if it was Sam or the second guy wanted him, you know, said, I think it was Sam. Yeah. And so then we got the medication to a, a behaviorist that our vet prescribes it, but because she's too far away, we did and like a FaceTime. We did with like her. a FaceTime with her, like we're doing with you. And then she called our vet and said to prescribe this. Okay. All right. And um, okay. So when your dog reacts right now, stranger danger, people coming over, it's worse in the house. Obviously, when you go out, same thing. Um, so ha- let me ask you this. So you guys have been, how long have you guys been dealing with? I know you guys have been working with different trainers, behaviorists, vets. How long have you been working on this reactivity to get like all together? Probably like two years. Okay. So two years you've been working on this and the pandemic in there too. So yeah. yeah. Longer than but the pandemic. It might've been, it might be longer than that, but then there was a, the pandemic, there was a streak where there was, you know, probably nobody else involved, but us. Yeah. Okay. It, you know, Nobody wanted to be around anybody. Okay. Got it. Um, ha- let me ask you this. Have you guys ever corrected the dog for this behavior? Not the way I've seen you correct on on your videos. Um, I've I mean, she's, 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 eyes, you know, she, no eyes. She's, <laughs> well, she's like, you know, you've held on to him to, you know, you've had yeah. to pull him back sometimes by by physically grabbing him. Yeah. 
I, I'll, if, if, if anything, because of the halter, I'll take this halter. Yeah. If but, I can't get them under control, I'll pull. But no, um, no positive punishment. I don't. I don't think. Very. You know. Sometimes some. Sometimes some. Uh, negative. Mm-hmm. Taking things away. Mm-hmm. No. What are you talking about? Taking ne- negative. I don't. I always get confused. Yeah. Negative. No, punishment. you're right. You're right. Yeah. That's it. Negative. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, that's, that's it. Okay, so we've been reactive for two years ish, and you know, we haven't we haven't really told the dog that what they're doing is inappropriate yet. And I think once you guys have that clear communication, you will have the ability to move forward and progress. So. Um, right now, because of your situation, you know, if you think about it as a whole, border collies are really not the best pet dogs because of their drive and because of their one dimensional thinking towards their hand. They're really like, they're really great with like one or two people. Uh, that, you know, they. <laughs> Go in your room. Go in your room. That's it. That's it. See you there. That's it. That's it. There you go. Is that okay? Looking? That was someone walking on the road that he saw through the window. Okay, that was going to be my next question. Yeah. Okay, so you know, you guys are getting this. You're getting this reactivity. You're getting this bark. And I'm not, I'm really big on doing what works for the dog. And I think the first thing that came out of your mouth is you guys were trying something for so long and it's not working regardless of what it is. That's not important to me. It's if we're doing something for this long and it's not working for two years, you need to understand that that is not going to work. And I think what you guys should do is start continuing to do your de-escalation. So I just put out a video on YouTube called, uh, it's it's my latest video with a, a, a flat coat Sheltie, I think is what it was, or something like that. Uh, it's, it's labeled the dog's owner died, now he needs help training. So this dog, uh, I worked specifically on what I call dismantling reactivity. So as the dog builds, uh, I work really, really heavy on how to dismantle that build through using uh, obedience and using um, counter conditioning and all that stuff. So that's something that you should check out because there's a big part of me that, I mean, the majority of the work that I do is countering. So giving your dog an opportunity to make better decisions and giving them a better outlet because sometimes their environments and their surroundings will make it very difficult for them to be successful and so, um, that's something that you guys should check out. Like how to, like, it sounds like I've, you, yeah, go ahead. I've actually watched this dog's owner died. Now he needs help training, but she hasn't. Right. I, I watch, you know, pretty much every day okay. at work. Okay. So that video is good. I, I would check that out because we go over specifically how to dismantle the build. Um, but again, I think I, just with the border collies are very, 
pushy, stubborn dogs by nature. That's their job, um, which is good if you know how to like outlet that. And, and, and even if you do know how to outlet it, you, you have to be uh, balanced and diverse enough to know that once that starts boiling over, you know, into your daily life, then you need to know how to like dismantle that and to bring that down. And it sounds to me that so far, since you've had all this reactivity and you've had all of this, um, stress in your life, you haven't corrected the dog for this behavior yet. We've been doing a lot of avoidance and, the dog making the mental decision to react to something like he just did at the door or whatever, that's something that uh, is going to continue to happen unless you guys tell the dog that it's inappropriate. In my experience, um, just over the years of working with cases just like this. And so that's, that's something I would recommend is start asserting some sort of punishment to teach the dog that what they're doing is not okay. Now, how do you go about doing that at home? Does he need, does he need to be on lead all the time? Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a good question. Uh, oftentimes when dogs are reactive, especially uh, working dogs or dog. So there, again, there's going to be certain breeds that are more, more susceptible to being vocal, to being reactive. You get dogs that have a huge gas tank every day. You get dogs that are instinctually very herding dogs, dogs that are supposed to be like moving things around. Um, I mean, these dogs just have a little bit more in their tank or a lot more in their tank every day than, than most dogs. So there's going to take a, a good amount of training that goes into involved, but the relationship of the dog ultimately typically will predicate whether or not your dog is going to continue to be reactive. I don't think the realistic goal for us is to have the dog never bark again. I know that's not your goal is either, but once the dog reacts the way that he's doing, uh, say it's the mailman or the FedEx or the person walking by, or you bring him to Home Depot or something and you get this craziness, you have to be able to step in and correct that behavior at that moment to say that that's inappropriate. So there's, there's obedience that goes involved of countering. So once the correction is done, then you have to do something with the dog because they're going to be like, well, there's somebody at the front door. So that's where your obedience comes into play. And, and oftentimes people don't have good enough obedience to, to do this type of work, even if they had a dog that was the opposite, super excited and barky. So you have to make sure that you have a good enough uh, set of obedience and be able to audit. Like if somebody's at your front door, can you ask your dog or tell your dog to go to their bed on command regardless of what they want to do with that person on the other end? If the answer is no, then that's the first thing that you should be working on because get that I mean, if you really break it down and dilute it down, it's like, what do you want? Well, I want my dog not to bark. Okay. And then, okay, after your dog is not barking, but there's somebody still standing at the door, then what are you going to do? So it's kind of this two-step phase of leave it and then go to your bed. But again, right now, because because your dog has never been enforced with anything that they care about, when you say something, it's not going to it's not going to hold its ground. There's nothing that holds its ground. It would be equivalent to doing positive reinforcement training with no reward based system. I want you to sit, and if they do it, we look the other way. It's going to be very difficult for us to enforce or reinforce something positively 
on both ends of the spectrum. So when we ask a dog to sit and we look the other way, and then we expect them to sustainably sit when we ask them to sit over time, it's not realistic because you're not paying them. You're not teaching them. You're not, you're not capturing. That is what sit is. That's what I want you to do. And I want you to be able to do that in the car, at Home Depot, at Lowe's, in the house, on a walk, in a park. When I say sit, that's what that means. And if you're not reinforcing it in the beginning ever, it's going to be very difficult for the dog to understand what sit is. If you're not paying them a piece of food, looking at them and telling them, yes, good sit. But think about it like this. It's the same exact thing on a punishment schedule. Positive reinforcement by definition is to encourage a behavior to happen again in the future when we're conditioning it. Dogs don't understand English. They understand cues or behaviors. So we say, hey, Moki, sit. The dog sits. We pay them. Okay, she, the dog, he goes, oh, I know what this is now. But it's the same thing on the other end. When we're trying to discourage behaviors, it's positive punishment. But it has to be enforced unless it doesn't have any weight. It'd be the equivalence to asking a dog to sit, and then when they finally do it, we literally turn our back to them, and we don't teach them that's what that was. So I think right now, you know, every dog is different. So I think the principle is there's no accountability for the dog misbehaving. Never. It's never happened. You know, I I asked, like, what have you guys done when the dog reacts? Well, we ask the dog to look at us. We tell the dog to touch our hand. I pull back on the harness and carry the dog away that doesn't hold the dog accountable at all. That just, that just, you know, kind of is, is, is crisis control at that point. It's not really teaching the dog that what they're doing is, is, is inappropriate. So I think the equipment and the techniques are a different conversation, which we'll have in about three minutes. But I think right now, as far as what you're missing, like a lot of my clients is that punishment because that's how dog, it's just like with, if you guys called me and you said, Hey, my dog is super well-behaved, loves everybody. But for, think about it like this. This is a good way to put it. For some reason, when we go out and we want to teach this dog how to sit, we go out, we say, hey, Mochi, Moki, sit. The dog sits. And then, and I'm like, okay, now what do you do when the dog actually finally sits? Well, we turn and look the other way. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's what you're missing. You're not, you're not reinforcing that that's what they've done. You, you, you're not paying them. You're not rewarding them. You're not telling them, yay, you did it. Good job. And I think right now it's just the exact same thing on the other end of the spectrum. We have a dog that is is reacting, muzzle punching, um, is so stressed that they have to be on medication. It's obviously uh, stressful for you guys. It's stressful for the other dogs that you're around. And when the dog reacts, we're looking the other way. Does that make sense? I I kind of I kind of think I uh, I. I think I am kind of figuring it. Okay. He has an extremely good sit. Mm-hmm. He's reacting. You know, it takes a while. And this is what I'm thinking, what you're trying to express. When I finally get to him and he sits, I turn him around to go away. Mm-hmm. Rather than rewarding him for sitting and staying in the in that situation. Is, is that what you're kind of saying? Is that what you're kind of saying? Because I'm, I, the reason why I'm, I'm bringing that up is that we have one neighbor. That's it. One neighbor with a fence between us. And, you know, when when they have kids and when they are out and I somehow don't get him, like, I, I, and he gets to the fence, um, 
as long as they, they also have a dog, as long as there's not that dog not in there, I can actually at some point in time get him to look at me and sit and be still rather than running back and forth on the fence. Mm-hmm. And I get him to do that. I leash him and I take him away. Is that what you're saying? Uh, kind of what I'm saying is on a bigger scale than that, that your entire relationship is like this. Uh, if you were trying to te- say he doesn't know sit at all, he's never heard it. And you want to teach him how to sit and you say, Hey dog, sit. And they finally put their butt on the ground and then you turn and look the other way. And then you're like, man, yeah, I've been working on this for 24 months and this dog still doesn't, doesn't understand sit. That's what you're doing on the react. Like the biggest problem that you guys are having is the reactivity. And so when he reacts, you guys aren't doing anything about it. You're not teaching the dog that what they're doing is wrong. It's the same exact application as if you asked a dog to sit and you neglected and failed to do positive reinforcement. You turned your back completely and the dog never captured it. They never said, oh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. So we're not, we're not enforcing and reinforcing things so the dog can sustainably understand what we're asking. So it really has absolutely zero to do with this particular dog sit. I'm saying, I was trying to give you an, uh, a, different, a different approach on how to understand what's happening is the dog is misbehaving and you guys have spent two years on it, lots of money, lots of time, three different trainers, behaviorists, veterinarians. But the problem is, is you're not addressing the real issue. And the issue is, is the dog is misbehaving to a point of muzzle punching individuals and you've never punished the dog. You've never told the dog no. That's the that's the missing piece here. I have told him I guess I don't know. Well, it's just not enforced. There's that's what I'm saying is nothing is backing. Oh, I'm not. I guess I don't know how to enforce the no because I have told him no. Yeah. I, oh, but the, yeah. But I don't. Of course, I mean it's like keep. Okay. I mean, I don't know. I guess I just don't understand because I have told him no. Well, uh, uh, let me let me explain. So when again, like. Say your dog doesn't know down, never heard down in your life, and you're telling the dog to down, and they finally go into a down, like you're not, a, you're not reinforcing things. So when you, your no right now means nothing. So when you tell your dog no, there's no enforcement behind it. There's no accountability behind it. There's no consequence behind it. So when you say no and he reacts, and then, he, and then you say no again, it doesn't mean anything to the dog. So when I say no, it's just, it's a leave it, it's no, it's whatever you're saying to say, hey, stop barking. It doesn't mean anything to your dog because it's simply not enforced. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah I guess, yes. I mean, I'm just trying to figure out how do I enforce it. I, I, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll teach. I- What's that? that um, is that where the equipment comes in? Yeah, that's where some equipment could come in. Um, but I, I just, I'm trying to go over the foundation first before we get into the actual training because I just want to go over the actual problem. The problem right now is your dog has never been actually held accountable for the things that you guys are desperately trying to get rid of. It's never happened. 
So when you say no, leave it, come, sit, stay, and the dog is in a state of mind, like right there, somebody came to the door and the only way to get your dog away from that door is going to physically get the dog and put the dog in the other room. So your obedience has no grounding. It has no, it has, it doesn't mean anything under those circumstances. And that's the, that's what I'm trying to say is like, that's the problem that you guys are having, which most dog owners have is when you get into a situation and you're doing positive reinforcement and we're teaching the dogs how to do stuff that is 95% or more of what normally I do and a lot of other trainers do. But when you run into that problem, when the dog knows the behavior well, and they flip you off and they say, I'm not doing this because there's a dog next to me or there's a person next to me. That's where that enforcement comes in to hold the dog accountable. It's just like with kids. It's just like with employees. It's just like anything else in the world that has some sort of consequence if we decide to say, I'm not doing what you want me to do. And right now, that's what you guys are lacking. So that's why your dog is continuing to react and you're not seeing results and you're talking about different medications to just continue to decompress things. But really you should just be more assertive and say, Hey, this is inappropriate. And, and that's what I was saying in the beginning is yes, that's where equipment could come in or will come in, but you have to be able to communicate with the dog effectively and efficiently. And right now that's just not what's happening. So slip collars. Yep. Sure. Those work good. Uh, plastic pinch collars were good. Prong collars were good. There's all sorts of different things to communicate, to hold your training sustainably. So when, when we say these things, I don't want you to think that you have to punish your dog every time you're out. The goal is, is to teach your dog how to behave. So when you say, leave it or whatever, and the dog says, I'm too reactive to leave it. That's where that accountability comes in. And dogs aren't going to, and that's what I was saying in that conversation before is you can say, no, you can say you're the worst dog in the world. We're bringing you to the pound. We're bringing you to the shelter. We're putting you down and they don't understand what you're saying. Like they just don't get it. So that's what I'm saying is your, your cues don't have any meaning to the dog. They, they are, they are, there's no backing. So when you say no physically, I'm not saying you're actually not verbally telling your dog no because I'm of course you probably are the dog is reacting we're saying no leave it pulling the dog back and it's kind of this thing but I would like your words to actually be meaningful to the dog so they go oh okay like you know anything else in life so yes the answer is this is where typically and historically this is where my clients and a lot of other people have have had enormous amounts of success with situations like this where they're able to hold the dog accountable by just using different dog training tools that are out there, particularly like made specifically for this. So the slip collar is a great way to start. Um, and, and again, that's a collar and a leash that has action. So, um, that is a good place to start. Yes. You can start with that. Does it, does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, I need to, yeah, I, I, I don't, I understand what you're saying. But now. That he doesn't, that he doesn't understand what, that, that we've never taught him that what he's doing is wrong. Yeah. No, so that's what, why we're coming to you, because we need to know how we can teach him that, how, that he, what he's doing is wrong, because evidently everything we've done up to this has not worked. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, and you guys are doing a good job at, figuring that out. You know, I mean, some people stop at that. They, they go to three trainers that 
weren't helpful. And then they think, okay, medication it is forever and the dog's a puddle. And and so you guys are doing um, what you need to do to say, you know what? I don't think that that is, is what it all it can be. And that's probably where my videos have popped up at some point where, you know, you search something and then you saw somebody with a similar problem. And then you said, oh, wow, that dog was just as reactive as our dog. And they saw results. And so I'm, I'm just kind of going over the roadmap of where you guys are going from my experience. And so that's the key to success for you guys right now. We just had a small little terrier come in and this dog was so reactive. He actually redirected and got my pants. It was like the, the, it was bad, like really reactive dog. And the owners were kind of just holding on at that point, they were just kind of sitting there and they were, they were doing the same thing that y'all are probably doing is like, Henry, leave it, Henry, no, Henry, Henry, stop. And it doesn't matter if you guys are shouting out oranges and clover and leave it. And it doesn't matter what you're saying. There has to be that accountability. And we just, we switched, we went, we went through a couple different things. We, because the dog was smaller uh, in compact, we switched to a slip leash, nice and snug, right behind the ears. The dog reacted. We used the slip. He could care less. So then what we did is we switched, we switched gears. We used a little tiny prong collar. We worked with that. Then the dog started because the dog went from zero to hundred really quick. The prong collar, because it distributes more pressure evenly, a, it was a safer collar to use and B it gave us, it gave the dog more information. So once the dog was sensitive to the collar and he was able to learn that reaction was not good and not appropriate, then we switched back to the slip and they left with the slip leash and they did group class. And and I'm not exaggerating you guys, this dog was one of the most reactive dogs I've seen in a while. He was, I mean, like screaming at the end of the leash, turning around, trying to grab everything around him to tear apart as terriers do. And it was kind of what you guys are dealing with. I said, you guys haven't, and they did the same thing. They went through different training protocols. And I said, you guys are just this dog. How is this dog going to know that what we're seeing right now where we can't even talk in a room is inappropriate if we're not getting in, getting through to the dog. So I just, I just a perfect example of, of, we just did this, this last weekend and they, they were able, they came in on Thursday with that reactivity and on Saturday morning, they were in my group class without a peep. It was amazing. And and so I think that you guys should start visiting different different avenues of equipment to get that point across. So let's get back down to the training. Okay. So it's we when we have Moki on a leash, we have good obedience. It's like we do we do all the basics. Amazing. Here's what you need to start doing to kind of flip the script in your relationship. What you, what you should be doing is starting to go through, and, and I'm just going to give you guys examples and then we'll talk after because I, I, it, it usually works better that way. So to flip the script again, right now, your overall relationship with the dog. So as a whole, I'm not talking about the little mini gritty things right now is when your dog is distracted by a particular thing, whether it's a dog, squirrel or other person. When you say, hey, dog, sit or come, for an example, recall and sit down, um, there's a likelihood that you will have to 
say it multiple times in order for the dog to, you know, to get through to you or vice versa. And sometimes even in some cases, it'll take five minutes for you to physically remove the dog from the location of the environment and then kind of slowly work back in. And that's common and that's okay. But what I want you guys to work on is your enforcement. So my point is, is because when you ask your dog to do something and it's not enforced or it's not held accountable, your words again, don't mean much. So let's say the speed limit in a, in an area is 50 miles per hour and we have a cop with a radar and we're flying by that cop at a hundred every time and they never pull you over. Well, then, you know, they're not going to do anything about it. It's kind of what's happening now. Moki, come. Yeah, but there's a dog at the fence. So we're going to bark. Moki, come, Moki, come, Moki, come. And we're kind of pulling the dog back. So what you should start doing is kind of flipping the script a little bit. When you go out with the dog, you can say, Moki, sit. And if he doesn't, then you can just add a little bit of leash pressure with your slip leash. Now, this is where that accountability comes in. The question of how do I hold my dog accountable? How do I punish my dog? How do I correct my dog? That's exactly where you start is you start with basic obedience out of context of having that really heavily Uh, that food like right there because we want to make sure that the dog is sitting and they will get paid. It's just not going to be your traditional holding the treat up in front of the dog's face and asking them to sit and then them sitting. I want you to put the food in your pocket. Don't crinkle any bags. Put a couple pieces of food in your pocket. Put the dog on a slip leash. Go out, work on your heel, work on your sit. And you'll start to see, and I don't know what your thresholds are and I don't know how well your obedience is now, but you will start to see difficulty as you start entering into new environments. The easiest way to start this is going up to your back door, your front door, your side door, whatever door you go out to bring your dog for a walk or go outside, and then asking your dog to sit and then enforcing the sit if your dog doesn't sit. And this is where the simplicity of this exercise gets twisted. So when I say this, this is what happens. People go up to their door And the dog's excited because this means we're going outside to run, we're going outside to play, whatever it is. They're stimulated, they're excited, they're distracted. But it's a realistic distraction because it's nothing crazy. You know, we're not throwing the kitchen sink at them. It's not people, it's not dogs, it's not elephants. It's just walking up to the door with the leash on, asking the dog to sit. And then if they don't, that's where the enforcement comes in. But typically what people do is they say, dog, sit. The dog doesn't sit. And then we go, hey, dog, sit. So we say it a second time. So once you say it a second time to the dog, it's an immediate, please, please, I I, I really want you to sit. And, And then typically if that doesn't work, we will squeak, we will kiss, we will bring a piece of food out, and then the dog will put their butt on the ground. And that whole picture... And again, I don't want you guys to be like, well, no, she'll actually, he'll actually sit. I'm just saying at some point you're going to run into that scenario where there's going to be a little bit of a distraction and you're going to have to repeat yourself a couple times and you're going to have to use motivation to get the dog into a behavior. And that is the, that's the reason why your dog isn't going to respond under certain circumstances is because if they don't do it, the worst case scenario for your dog is you're going to ask the dog to sit again. And then the very worst case scenario after that is there's going to be a treat that comes out and then they're going to get paid for sitting on the third time because they just didn't sit the first time. Does that make sense? 
it makes sense, but I could tell you that without any distractions, they all have a tremendous sit and wait. They'll wait at the door. We go out first. We call them by name. You go first. You go second. You go third. Mm-hmm. But without any distraction. Once you, yeah. What and um, that's what I was saying earlier is if you have a great and that's what I was saying is like if you have a good sit or whatever, good, great. You are going to run into a situation where there's going to be a distraction and your dog will not even look at you. You do not exist. So whatever that is for you and your dogs, that's the picture I'm talking about. Because some people can do that all day long. Like you said, oh no, we're great. I'm not talking about what you're great at. I'm talking about once you get that little bit of distraction into the mix, that's what I'm talking about. Because the reality is, is from a from a professional standpoint, is when I ask clients this and I get that, oh, when nothing's going on, that literally means that my dog will only listen to me if it's in their best interest. Outside of that, they will not listen to me. And outside of that, if I ask them to do anything, it doesn't exist. Therefore, by teaching your dog's manners in a private setting with the hopes and, of course, the goals of them behaving in public so you can enjoy your dog doesn't exist, which means it's pointless. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's, a, it's like my, it's like being the absolute best baseball player in the world. You crush the, you crush the ball over the fence every single time in practice. Aaron Judge is calling you and asking you for advice. And you go to a game and you can't swing the bat. It doesn't matter. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's where you guys are running into problems is you say, hey, my dog will only listen to me in a perfect scenario. We don't live in a perfect scenario. And that's where you're having the most problems. So let's say, let's just to, just to give you guys something here is, let's say, okay, yeah, no, our dog's obedience is great. Cool. Put them on a leash. Have somebody come to your front door. Done chaos. See what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what you guys have to start working on is that accountability when that hits, when, when, when that starts to happen, because it doesn't matter how good your dog, I mean, I shouldn't say that it it does matter, but when we're teaching our dogs obedience and manners, it's, it's really a, the majority of that is to be able to enjoy your dog. Like, why do we teach our dog how to heal is because when we go out for a walk with our dogs, we don't want them to drag us, but if they're only healing in your kitchen, What's the point? Okay, so, all right, so, uh, okay. And I, that's exactly it. And like I said, we we do live like in an area that's very rural and we don't have a lot of visitors. We do, however, this friend comes over occasionally and it sounds like this is our perfect teaching moment with Moki. And that's what we need to find out from you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also too, just, just being able to control the situation, no matter where you're at, it doesn't matter if you live in Manhattan or you live in the middle of nowhere. I think overall, like my concern always when, when we're working on these, these cases is your dog's mental health. Like there's no reason that your dog should be on enough medication to be in a puddle. If we haven't ever taught them how to do what we want them to do. It's like, oh, they keep making all these mistakes. They're making these mistakes, making these mistakes. Have you ever just talked to them about it? No. Well, th- that's that's my biggest goal for you guys is I don't want your dog to have this have this relationship and, and have this insecurity and, and this 
this uh, stress all their life. I think, again, like you guys are just missing the biggest piece to your problems. And my point by saying this is, is it's not just, yeah, I mean, it's, yes, you can do that with your friends coming over. That's a great opportunity. But at the same time, like we've been on the phone for 54 minutes and two people have been at your house or walked by and the dogs have lost their minds. So I, I know what you're saying about like, yeah, we live in the middle of nowhere. We don't see a lot of people, but I'm just saying like, I've been on the phone less than an hour and the dogs have lost it twice. So I just would want that mental state of mind where your dogs are suspicious. And I, and again, we're not trying to um, tell them, hey, don't bark. All we're trying to do is when they, when, when they bark and there's somebody here and somebody's alerting, like this morning, perfect example. I was in my room hanging out with my son and my assistant came uh, into the garage and my dog barked. I'm not going to be like, you should never bark when somebody walks into the room out of context. Like all I said, as I said, Lakota, leave it, go to your bed, down, stay. So she was at the door. She was barking. She went to her bed. She downs and she stayed and she looked at the door and tilted her head like this to try to figure out who it was. And so under those circumstances of heavy, heavy distraction, because of my training with my dog, I was able to apply very advanced obedience in a situation that was realistic. And that's what I'm saying is like right now, and, and this isn't your, I'm not like uh, shaming you for this. I'm just saying right now, the only opportunity you guys have when your dog loses it, when somebody walks by your house, which is, I, I know you're saying like you, you live in the middle of nowhere, but it's going to happen. It seems like daily. Um, and the only thing that you can do right now to keep this dog mentally stable is just put it in the other room. And I'd like to be able to change that for your dog's benefit. So, all right. So that I, I know you said like with my friend coming over, it's, it's, it's it might be a good training opportunity, but yes. like right now these dogs are, you know, you're just sitting around vegging out <laughs> Some across the front, you know, road, you saw what happened. How do I deal with that? Because I don't have a slip collar on him at the, at that current time, you right. know. Totally. Yep. I, I'm with you. I got gotcha. you. So my recommendation is, again, I want you to look at this as a, a whole. And I know that this is difficult because we get so granule on, Tom, the problem is the barking. The problem is the reactivity. The problem is the muzzle punching. Like these are the problems. But I, I'm, I really want you to understand that overall – as a professional that specializes as an expert in this, I'm telling you that it's your overall relationship that you really need to work on. So if you had, if your dog respected you and you had this kind of like, Hey, knock it off. The dog will be like, okay, sorry. I don't really know what I did was wrong, but you know, I, I, I listened to you cause you know, you, you're, I respect you. So, so there's, there's two things that you need to work on. There's obedience. That's going to counter this. So again, like you're, so there's, let's say level three obedience is what I talked about this morning with my dog, the best obedience you can get. Somebody literally takes a key, puts it into my garage door as I'm in bed and opens the door and my dog goes, ah, somebody's here. And I said, disengage. I know who it was because I have ring, disengage, go to your bed and lay down. I'm not expecting you to be able to do that right now, but to get to that point, you have to practice the place the stay and all that stuff with adding in slow and, and, and consistent distractions and durations and things like that. So my, my point is, is you're not going to be able to just um, turn things off. But if you start working on your obedience regularly with your kibble and your treats and making it a fun experience, 
um, what you can then do is 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 start working on these things. Ultimately, my answer is you, your dog barking to somebody across the street right now. Uh, I would keep a tab leash on the dog. So a tab leash is uh, something that they use in a lot of different sports, ring sports and stuff, where you just you have like a, just a four inch leash. It's just a you can get um, a slip a slip leash. And you can cut it so it just kind of hangs on the dog as you're hanging out, like vegging out, like just chilling. We're not going to leave it on the dog unattended, but like you can get my slip leash that has the nice stopper. So it's got a spring-loaded stopper and it goes right into position. It doesn't fall out. It's super safe. It goes right behind the dog's ears for ultimate power steering control. And so you can take that and when you get it, you cut it, you tie a knot into it. So it's a little ball. And then you're going to start saying like, okay, when we're hanging out like this and the dogs are barking, what I would do personally, if I were you, is when the dog starts barking at the door, I would go up, grab the leash, I'd say, leave it. And I'd give it a little quick, quick pop, say, Hey, no, we don't, we're not doing like, that's that assertiveness that you guys need to let the dog know that we're good. And so you're going to be using what we would call like classical operant conditioning. The dog goes, ah, starts barking. Like he did already twice. You'd go over to the door, you grab the, the leash, you say, leave it, and you quick, do a quick pop. And as soon as the dog disengaged and stopped barking, you'd say, yes, good, leave it. And then at that point, you can do verbal praise, physical praise, external praise with food. But just being that assertive to go over and correct the dog for that is what you want to do. And then and then on top of that, you take the leash, say, go to your place, and then you, the dog would go to the place and you go and downstay. So your goal is to dismantle the reactivity and the duration of the reactivity over time. Because you're never just going to stop it from happening. But I want you to be able to dismantle it, just like I did this morning with my dog. It's a perfect example. Any other videos that you recommend from using the, the slip leash? Um, yes. Um, the so there's a video uh, recently, uh, Dramatic Dog Training Transformation. It was uh, from a video that we did in Texas. That's recent. Uh, that's a really great one. And then there's one um, that says dogs get put down for this. That's I saw a, that. That's a really great one because, again, um, th- that that's exactly what that video stands for is we had a small little chihuahua come in and – barking, barking, this, this dog is barking his head off, like freaking out at everybody and everything constantly. And it's just a terrible state of mind. This individual lived in the city and this dog's state of mind was in a constant, just, I am always suspicious of everything. I'm always grumbling. I'm always reacting. But again, same situation, guys. I asked the owner, okay, how have you communicated to your dog that the behavior that is causing your dog ultimately the most stress in its life, as well as you, how have you commu- like how are you, how have you told the dog that it's not okay? Doesn't it? We haven't. We haven't told the dog that it's not okay. It's a perfect video for you guys to watch because we go over because the reason why I titled it "Dogs Get Put Down for This" because this dog was really reactive and. It was really hard to live with this dog because every sound and everything this dog saw, the dog would freak out about. And typically, people just want a really easy dog, typically. They want a dog that just loves everybody, loves every dog, is super easy to work with. Dogs that are reacting at every single noise that enters their environment or what they think is their environment 
is really difficult to deal with, not only from a dog's point of view of being mentally unstable all their lives, but also for the owners. And so I said, okay, same thing, guys. Like you've worked with this many trainers. You've been working on this for this long. Have you ever told the dog no? Have you ever punished the dog? And she said, no. Okay, this is where we got to start. And then again, same thing. This dog came through my program. We we went over the handling flaws. We went over what she was doing wrong. We went over the things that she needs to do to be successful. And we put this dog in a play group with other dogs and did amazing. And then went into group class and did amazing. So it's the same little key that you all are missing. Is that, And I know it's easy for us to look at the Yeah, but the barking, but I'm telling you, the reason why your dog is barking and the reason why the dog has to be medicated right now is because the relationship with you guys needs to improve. It's not just an external like on and off switch. It's going to be what is causing the problem is actually what you guys need to be focusing on. When you tell your dog, hey, knock it off when they're barking at the door, it's going to go one out in one ear and out the other. It doesn't matter at all. That's what you guys need to start working on. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, just but just so for homework for you guys is just work on right now. Again, you're when you say something to your dog, it's optional. And I want you guys to just be consistent. Get get your dog on a slip leash and just go out and start holding the dog accountable for very basic stuff. We ask the dog to sit and they're thinking about it. They're waiting. Mm, yeah, but the door so you know, going up to the door and doing the sit and stay like Figure out creatively on your end how you can recreate these scenarios to add a little bit of distraction. Maybe that means letting the other dogs out first and then working on that impulse control. Okay. And checking out those other videos. Um, again, like those are the those are the things I was uh, referring to. Um, those videos are literally your dog. Like we have a dog that comes in that we've been working on these things for years. We've tried three other trainers. Nothing's worked. What's going on? And it was, and and it could, you could go like the one that we did aggressive pit bull tries to attack me and tell that's a great one because that is a little bit more like we aren't muscle punching. Like we're a little bit more serious about things. That is another great video of somebody coming in that had the dog on a harness and tried all these other things. And I'm not saying, and that's the thing is like the first thing out of your mouth was, we tried a positive only trainer, three of them, and it didn't work. It That doesn't, like, I don't, that's fine. I'm not saying like, oh, that training sucks or there. I'm just saying it's not going to work for your dog, not because of my opinion, but you just told me that it's not working. So all you have to do is just switch gears like you are. And I think that that's the biggest thing that you're missing right now is just that accountability. Okay. Did you mean aggressive dog attacks me? Seriously? No. It's aggressive pit bull tries to attack me until. And tries to attack you? Until. And it's th- it's three months ago. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Because they, they, same thing, like they this dog tries to come up this bed to try to get me and they just, again, the same thing. I was like, you, this dog has never been held accountable. It comes in okay. on har- it comes in on a harness. It's pulling the owners everywhere. And I say, you guys, if you want to stop a dog from doing something, you have to have the foundational obedience to walk your dog on a loose leash. I mean, if you can't walk your dog on a loose leash, you can't stop something, you know? So anyway, cool. All right. So that's the homework for you guys. And obviously you guys have a great opportunity here because you can work on this stuff until you come up. And then once you come up and work with us, 
you know, we'll be able to, to answer any questions and finish things off for you. Sounds like a plan. Okay. It's only going to be me coming up, but it's, you know, it's the best we can do. Yeah. It's, and, and, um, you know, and if it's, yeah, I mean, and we can, you know, typically what we do is, as you know, we record a lot of the stuff that we do. So we'll be able to have it, uh, access in the members club for the full length video and stuff later. If you wanted to check it out, um, you know, yeah, I would like for her to see it as well. Yeah. Yeah. You can see the progress and like, see what we did. But again, it's like, I think that, that, that's what you just, you know, we've done it so many times, documented it, documented it, problem, problem, problem. And just the relationship and the overall ability to tell the dog, no, that means something is really what everyone misses. And then they go off and, you know, live, live a happier life. And that's what means the most to me is I want you guys to, I want the dog to stop barking, but I don't want you guys to have to medicate your dog because you don't know what else to do. Because I think that there's many other options that you guys can still explore. You just, you just don't know how to do it yet, but you're, you're getting there. You're starting that journey. So you'll get that. That was a question. I mean, cause we are, he is on medication. When he comes up, we, we should still keep him on medication, right? Yeah. I think you, I think you can do the medication, but ultimately almost, I want to say all, but I would say like every dog that's come up under medication doesn't need medication after, because again, they're the problem they're just kind of throwing things at, you know, out in the air. That's like suppressing things, but it's not actually helping the dog be confident. So if you look at like in particular, just off the top of my head, dogs, dogs get put down for this. That wasn't a case of, Hey, you can't react. It was, this dog was like, Oh, I don't need to react. The dog made the mental decision to stop reacting. So I just really want you guys to focus on the real issue, which I think is your relationship. And once your relationship gets better, I would, I would like to see the medication not have to be uh, administrated at all. That's uh, that I would love. I would love. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, the part of the reason why we parted with the last trainer is that she wanted me to go to another behaviorist and, you know, with the med- medication. And I'm like, no, I mean, I went to one behaviorist. This is the medicine. Uh, that's all the other behaviorist is going to do as well. It's going to say, medicate more, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. I'd say, like, I know, I know mm-hmm. what he's like <clears throat> with minimal medication. And then I know like when I have to take him to the vet, how loopy he is when I give him that. That I'm not. Gonna I'm definitely not going to give him that loopy medication when I, I come to see you. Just as regular. I want, day I want to you, day. To, you to see the you know what he what how he really acts unless unless by then I get him under control. Yeah, to be honest, like I I would personally like to see him with no medication for the day that he's there, um, because that would give me like the full scope of what we want. And if we so here's the thing: if we take away the medication while he's working with me then we might have an opportunity to then see like, okay, if I get you in group class, like you come in, are you doing the out of state? I would assume. I'm doing the Thursday to Saturday. Okay. Yeah. The out of state program. So you come in on Thursday. I'd like to see you in my group class on Saturday with the 10 to 15 other people and dogs. And that way we don't have to say anything about medication. And when you go home, we know that your dog is actually going to be in a better state of mind because of that training and because of your relationship. And that's what I'd really like to see, to be honest, but it's, it's up to you. So, so even the, you don't even want him on the daily stuff. Well, I, I don't, I, I'm not a vet cause I don't know if we took him off it like cold Turkey, if that would do anything to him. So that's something you might want to talk to your vet about to see like, Hey, we're going to go try something. We'd like the dog to be as, 
we'd like the dog to be as like normal as possible. Um, so yeah, I mean that. Oh, so I can ask him that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just say, is there, is there going to be any, um, downside to kind of going up to a training camp so I can really assess the situation. Uh, and then, you know, like I said, guys, every single time we've done this program, we've had dogs in that, to be honest, I'm like, I don't know if we're going to be able to do group with this one. And we do, we graduate to group and they're walking in group. And I'd love for you guys to be able to go and, and share this information and share this video with these people who are really struggling with, uh, you know, trying to throw medication at, at problems when, when really we should be worrying about what's causing the problems instead of kind of covering it up. So hopefully we can do that for you guys. Even told the last trainer that, you know, we wanted to go to a more balanced approach. She wanted nothing to do with it. So, you know, it's like, I don't get that. Yeah, me neither, man. It's a, it's a, it's a scary thing, you know. Like for me, if you were to, if if I worked with you and you said I'd like to go to more of a positive only approach, I'd say great. So let me, I'd be, I'd be really eager to see how it works for you guys and let me know what worked and let me know what didn't because I just want to get better. But unfortunately, that's what you'll see in just dog training camps in general is, um, yeah. hey, we're going to try something different because what we're doing right now isn't working, and then you get the. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. I mean, that just tells you what, you know, what they're interested in instead of like, they're not interested in getting the dog better, are they? Because if they were to say, oh, okay, that's not really my style, but you know, I'm eager to see how the dog does. It's not that they don't care about that. That's, that's my opinion. And that's kind of like what you, you saw, it sounds. Yeah. I mean, we had two trainers like that. The first one, like I said, when, when he lunged at him, the guy just said, put him on medication. He didn't want anything to do with him after that. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you're not, it's like, to me, that's not a good trainer. That it's, it, it, because it's, he, the dog did something wrong one time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I mean is I just, you know, I, I think, I think you guys, you know, can figure things out on your own to say like what, what's going to be helpful for you. And what your dog, like, it's not to say that positive only training isn't helpful. It's, of course it is. But, but, but also just so, you know, you guys know is, and, and if you watch my videos, nine, like if we work for an hour, 55 minutes of that hour is teaching you how to reward your dog. <laughs> the other five minutes is just really, cl really clearly telling the dog that that is inappropriate. Like that is going to get you in trouble. And so like, that's the thing is I just want, I want what's best for the dog. And the reason why I train the way I do is not because any political agenda, it's because I've been working with dogs professionally as a daycare attendant, as a daycare owner, as a dog walker, as a business owner, as a professional, I know what works best for my clients. And that's the training route that I, I choose, you know, and I think other people kind of get involved with like how, you know, it, it, it causes them to, I don't know. It's weird, man. It's, it is weird. Like you said, it is weird when you say, Hey, we're going to go try a different approach to see if that works. Cause what we're doing doesn't work. And that individual that you hired is mad at you for it tells you everything you need to know about that. In my opinion. <clears throat> yes, I agree. Okay. All right. All right, guys. Great to talk with you. Good luck with everything. And we'll see you soon. See you in a month. All right, guys. Merry, have a Merry Christmas. Yes. Same to you and happy new year. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right, you guys, you've reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to be answering three of the listeners' uh, questions. First one comes from Simply Dogs. Great channel, five-star review. Thank you so much. I am a dog owner who believes that all dogs are able to learn from both positive reinforcement and corrections. I think this channel embodies how I feel about dog training, dogs, and people. It is just such a great channel that has amazing and clear ways to express how balanced dogs' life actually is. 
It teaches you how to properly use the prong collar and e-collars, but it also teaches when those tools won't help and when to use positive reinforcement methods, which and wit would be better used. Tom changes his style each time to fit that dog and its owner and his lifestyle, and it's truly amazing to see a person do that so easily when most people will just have their same comeback and new case. So yeah, check it out if you like dog training, and thank you, Tom, for being uh, so educational to people. Thank you so much for the review. Uh, we appreciate it a lot. And, uh, I think you know, 99% of you, um, are, are really here to just get better. And, and, and we appreciate you guys reaching out and just giving us some feedback and giving us some encouragement to continue to do these things for you guys. So thank you so much for that review. It means a lot to me. Nick Tucker, 21, five-star review. I'm entertained explanation point. <laughs> As an inspiring dog trainer, having this podcast to listen to while driving has been better than music to me and encouraged me to pursue more knowledge about the dog world. I generally look forward to new episodes releasing. In the meantime, I've worked all of my way through almost all of the all of the podcasts in order. I appreciate you, Tom. Thank you so much. Keep grinding, brother. Dog training question. When selecting a prong collar size for your dog, what are, th- what are you taking into consideration and why would you choose a 2.25 over a 3.0? It's a good question, my friend. Nick, thank you f- so much, first of all, for the kind words. Again, like this never gets old, no matter how many reviews we have. We appreciate the feedback and the encouragement because, you know, it's, it's, we don't get to see you guys in person. And so like you guys saying these kind things means a lot to us. So, um, 2.25, 3.0, for me, it's about control. So you're going to have more control with a 2.25 uh, on a dog because it has more points of pressure. Um, the 3.0 is going to be for the bigger, 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 bigger dogs that can just explode out of those 2.25s. So that's typically what I have. Like if, if a dog is like really desensitized to a certain collar, uh, I'll switch to a 2.25, which just gives you a little bit more power steering. Now, it's to be noted that I use a safety clip on every single prong collar. I never sell a prong collar without a safety clip. And none of my clients leave my facility with a prong collar without a safety clip. So that's my answer. Next one, Ski Girl 69 help with petition to keep e-collars. Hey, Tom, I just listened to your podcast and e-collars want to help. I'm going to find the link. When I Google it, I'm only finding the band. The bad guys are winning here. <laughs> um, it's in the it's in the description on all my podcasts now. I, I made sure I went back and checked. It's good now. You, you should be fine to check it out. Um, for those who don't know, there is an e-collar petition banned for New York and California to ban remote collar training in general. Uh, obviously, a very scary thing for dogs, especially dogs in the shelters. Um, so if you guys are interested in support, the the uh, countering ban you can click the link in the description below go do one more Maynard Eric uh, five star review love the show need help after listening to your leash aggressive versus leash reactive podcast I can say more from your definition I have a dog aggressive dog it doesn't matter if we are on a leash or not she will go at a dog she charged off across our yard a few weeks ago and broke through our fence and attacked three dogs at our neighbor's house that's terrible i shouldn't be that wasn't a, that was like an, a surprise like holy crap that wasn't a laugh we are lucky that the other dogs ran into their house and the neighbors were able to get get them in without our dogs getting in being a pit mix i know that this might not be completely solvable but is there anything we could do to improve on this we we have been going to a trainer and she is way better on walks and typically listens the best thing for you man is a girl i don't know is to really 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 focus on your management because right now this is a liability you have to you have a loaded gun and you have to make sure that you are in control over that dog all the time there is no if if anything happens it is going to be your fault unfortunately so you have to really make sure that you have well-controlled dog my suggestion for you is the highest level of obedience and control for 
for dogs is going to be off-leash remote collar training. So that's where your next step should be in, and your dog should be listening better than any other dog on the block by a long shot. Um, you know, the more control you have, I always tell people, if you have a man, man eater of a dog, but your obedience is good, then you're fine. If that situation happened and you had an e-collar and a good recall on your dog, you could have likely got out of that situation without any injuries. So that's it. All right, you guys, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to be answering three of your dog training questions later. Make sure you guys leave a review, support the podcast. We appreciate you guys so much. And, um, we'll talk to you next week. Bye or whatever, whenever this is coming out. <laughs> Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.